Hi, welcome to Under the Lights. At Play Recognition, we set out on a daily basis to provide equal recruiting opportunities for thousands of talented student athletes that do not receive the recognition and recruiting opportunities that they deserve. Each episode will bring you conversations with players and coaches and give you an in-depth and behind-the-scenes view of the Canadian athletic recruiting landscape along with tips and tricks on how to get to the next level. I'm Brett Mazov, co-founder of Play Recognition, and today we have the recruiting coordinator and special teams coordinator from the Ottawa UGGs, Coach Nathan Taylor. Coach Taylor sits down and talks recruiting, social media, seven-on-seven, choosing programs, official visits, and the best way to contact coach. Welcome to episode one, season one of the Play Recognition podcast. Uh, my name is Brett Mazov, co-founder of Play Recognition, and I'm here today with the recruiting coordinator and special teams coordinator of Ottawa U, the GGs, yes, Coach Nathan Taylor. Welcome. Thanks, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So we're going to start off. I don't want to talk about the GGs just, uh, just yet. I want to go back to when you started playing, uh, where you played, how you got into football, and uh, how you ended up uh, coaching uh, in the CIS and uh, with the GGs. So uh, I'm from Montreal, born and raised from LaSalle. So I played for the LaSalle Texas. Warriors. Yes, sir. <laughs> so I played for the LaSalle Warriors. That's my hometown. I love it over there. So I played there my entire career. So from Adam to Midget, I played there. Then um, played two years at Midget. Then I, I was recruited by Coach Pete to go to Vanier, which I was obviously blessed to end up over there. So I played at Vanier for three years. Uh, started every game aside from like three in my freshman season as a bouncer corner. I finished my career there. Then I had some opportunities to go kind of around, essentially across the country in terms of playing CS ball. A couple D1 AA offers, I think it'd be called now. Uh, what were the teams? Uh, North Dakota, Wofford, and I think like Iowa State had some interest. And Columbia. But Columbia was like a real, real long shot. So I had the interest. I, I, I didn't, things didn't work out because academically, I was fine academically, but um, in uh, Quebec at the time, we only went to grade 11, and in order to be admissible through the clearinghouse, you needed to have a grade 12 science course, which I didn't have. I had all my sciences. I had all the times that you needed throughout high school, but grade 12 science didn't really exist, so I didn't have it. So when they were going through the process of the clearinghouse, I was visiting that course. They wanted me to the JUCO route, which I wasn't really familiar with. Now it's a regular thing. Canadian kids go JUCO all the time, but when I was coming out, it was like no one even knew, really knew what JUCO was. Okay. So. That's something I wasn't particularly comfortable with doing. I'd have to pay for it in my own pocket, which I wasn't interested in doing. And uh, North Dakota pressed it kind of hard in terms of me doing that, but it's just not something that was conceivable for me at the time. So uh, I was more than comfortable playing in the in the CIS or U Sports, as it's called now. Uh, I chose to go to Concordia. That was the school I felt was best for me financially, and and the coaching staff. I felt a good connection there. I liked being at home and being with the hometown team. So I went to the University of Concordia. Had a great time there. Uh, I spent four years there. Three at corner and then I, I ate and worked out my way to being a, a safety I got mm. a little big a little heavy a little stronger so I ended up playing free safety my final year uh at the end of my last year I was with uh, Jerry McGrath and he kind of he was not a father to me but he's a really good father figure great coach I really enjoyed playing for him I can tell he really appreciated me and loved me so right when I was done I had somewhat of a leadership role I won most dedicated and MVP of my team my senior season as a safety mm-hmm. and then almost immediately after he offered me the position as a defensive back coach, assuming I didn't make the CFL, which was a bit of a long shot because I wasn't didn't have enough speed to really play at that level. You were signed to the Alouettes, though. Yes, I was signed. So I got picked up as a free agent. I, I spent uh, training camp. So I spent uh, rookie camp and training camp with the Alouettes. Then after that, I went to uh, play a preseason game. 
did what I was supposed to do. There wasn't, I didn't give a bunch of opportunities, but I got to play on the field. I was super grateful for the opportunity because I got to play on a pro field. Luckily, it was a home game, so my parents were there. Oh, so that was, yeah, so that was honestly, that was really like, it was a great experience to kind of be out there and to take pictures of the family after a pro game. I was subsequently released, which I kind of knew the, the writing was on the wall after like, I want to say a week of camp. I kind of saw the, where the reps are going and how they're distributing the reps. And I knew I wasn't really figuring into their plans, which is fine by me. And then right after there, I um, was released. I uh, called my mom, called my former coach, who's now one of the coaches I coach with now, Mike White. And then I called Jerry. I told him I've been released. Uh, is the opportunity still available? He said, yeah, sure, no problem. I left having the staff. And then I was hired there. Spent uh, three or four years there, one under Jerry and then three under Mickey and Patty Donovan. Okay. They were the head, well, head coach, DC and assistant head coach. I did defensive backs my entire time there. And then uh, Coach Jamie Barisi uh, offered me the position as special teams coordinator and recruiting coordinator and youth camp director and defensive back coach at the University of Ottawa. So kind of, I wasn't really expecting it. I think I just, I fit what they wanted, which is just like a recruit, right? You look for certain things in a prospect or in a potential, you're going to add to your organization, you have to fit certain criteria. And I feel like I 100%. fit a couple of his, what he thought was important in terms of putting together staff. And uh, it's like that sometimes I was super grateful for. I took that job as best as I could and I ran with it. And uh, I, I've enjoyed every moment of it. It's been a blessing. It's uh, something I've always wanted to do. I didn't think it would happen this quickly. But like I said, I got, I don't like using the word lucky. I don't really believe in luck to a certain extent. But I think I'm blessed to be in the, in the spot that I'm in. And, and for people to kind of trust me and give me the opportunity that they've given me. Yeah, no, for sure. Before we start talking more kind of centered around recruiting yeah. and GGs, um, you know, this is, a conversation about football so i just i gotta know how you feel about those two playoff games um <laughs> and who's your pick for the super bowl honestly uh, um um it was great it's one of those times where very i don't feel like it happens very often where the four best teams make it you know what i mean that's yeah. really what happened like you felt that those games could kind of almost go, they could have gone either way on both sides in both games so i uh, i like the chiefs i want the chiefs to win it all. i want chiefs rams i, I was hoping the chiefs would win it all uh, I just like Pat Mahomes. I kind of like what he's capable of. It was, I like, a, I like it was a crazy year. Yeah, I watched yeah. the game. So the the primetime Rams and Chiefs game. Yeah, I watched that, and that was my pick for the Super Bowl. A because yeah. I thought that both teams deserved it, and I just mm -hmm. wanted another. Just I don't know how many points. I think it was like a hundred uh, something, something insane points. It was like unbelievable. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what did you think about the penalty? Or sorry, the missed penalty. Yeah, the pi um, on Breeze. I don't know. Who was going for the pass? Was it Kamara going for the pass? Uh, no, it was uh, uh, I can't remember the guys. It was Nickel Roby that that was the PI guy. I can't remember who was going for the pass. It was like one of their like their third best receiver or something like that. From one, yeah, from one DB to another was 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 that PI? Yeah, there's, there's yeah. no doubt about it. I think the worst thing about it, in my not in my opinion, he's a professional ball player, so he knows what he's doing. That should be a pick six. That's what I said. That I was I was at <laughs> I was, you know I was like I had a conversation with someone and I was like. Yes, it should have been a penalty, but that should have been six. Yeah, yeah, that ball was egregiously underthrown into the inside. You can't do an outbreaking route. You know that as being a former quarterback. You can't throw an out route late in inside to pick six, right? So I think Nikel Roby just went into panic mode, did what most DBs are taught. Worst case scenario, draw the PI. Don't let him get a completion. Don't let him get downfield. And he just kind of threw his hands up. And I think it was so late that he thought he probably thought he was on time because as a defensive back, you have a, a clock going on in your mind. And when you break on a route, you're assuming – the ball's got to be there right now. So you're going to make a play to break up the ball, but it just 100%. got there so much later than he expected that he ended up resulting in a PI. And I've seen that happen in other games where your clock's gone off and you're breaking, you're trying to break up a pass, but the ball hasn't even gotten there yet. So 
I think had he had eyes to the queue, had he been looking at, at Drew Brees, he picks that and goes to the house and we're not even having this conversation. He didn't. And it was a PI. There's no two ways about it. But uh, I tried to get on the refs too much. They That was a blatant missed call. There's no doubt about it. But the, refing is tough. I've I've been in situations where I've watched refs make calls and not make calls. And I you see it clear as day, but they're looking at so many other things, right? You might just be looking at the kid's foot, but he's got to see the catch to the foot to the out of bounds, whereas you're just staring at his foot. Oh, he's out of bounds. How can you not see that? Well, I want to make sure he secured the catch, and now I'm looking at the foot late. So... I think it's a really tough job. They're under a lot of scrutiny. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure how much they make, but the one thing is, is like if you do your job, nobody cares, and if you don't do your job, everybody like cares. Like a long snapper. It is, yeah, exactly. <laughs> or just a exactly, exactly. You got one job to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, it was it was a missed call. Unfortunately, yep. I'd like to see. You know, I would have liked to see Breeze in the final. Yeah. Um. You know, after I think the like the last couple seconds, they yeah they had like yeah they had two or three shots on him, and mm-hmm. it just broke my heart to see him. But I am excited to see the Super Bowl and. God, I hope the Rams win. I know. I tell him. I'm a big, I, I like what they've done. I think the, the GM has done a phenomenal job. And it's kind of the, the whole NFL is going to this like win now model. Like mm-hmm. no one wants to plan for a five or 10 year deal. Now it's like stun as many free Like the Eagles did, right? When they won, I'm an Eagles fan, obviously. Yep. They had Wentz under a rookie deal who was super cheap, science, spend your entire budget. Now I think the Eagles are like, I think there's $16 million over the cap next year if they keep everybody, which is they, they got to cut people, they right? But yeah. they just. They put together a team. It's win now, or we'll try again in three or four years. So it's worked. The only thing that can kind of go against it is like the Wiley vet, like a Tom Brady or a Drew Brees, who is that good that they can kind of propel a subpar team to that level because the Rams are a better football team than the New England Patriots. There's, there's it, no two ways about it, in my they're opinion. They're stacked. You know, when you're watching the game, you see all these names. It's like they're almost an all-star <laughs> team. Yeah, like, I agree. It's unbelievable. That front seven is disgusting. They have like six defensive linemen. They should, the, the two backups should start. I think it's a Fowler that's on the Dante. Yep. They have a couple guys that are rotational guys that would start they every, play every snap for just, the teams, right? So. I would be I would be absolutely scared if I was Tom Brady. Yeah. Although he's not, it's Tom Brady. He's yeah, probably gonna win. But um yeah, so as we're coming to the end of the season for the NFL, I'd like to look back on your season mm-hmm. um with the GGs. How was it yeah. this year? I was actually at the game. Uh we spoke after the game. Mm-hmm. Uh I was at the Panda game and you guys yeah. uh you guys Handled Carlton a loss, um, a pretty convincing loss. So how was the season, and um, what's kind of your recap, and what are you looking forward to next year? Uh, For for me, I think our season went pretty well. We ended up 6-2 the first round by. Then we uh, played in the playoffs. Obviously, we lost that game, unfortunately. But um, I think that we've progressed very well over the last two years, and that's kind of... We like you. You can't do the win now thing in in the CIS or the youth sport, right? So you have to kind of build a culture and build a team and build a tradition. Luckily for us, our tradition already exists since we've been together. Since the school has been playing ball since 1881, but for us, it's more so building that culture and that within our team to kind of develop that skill set that we can win games going forward. So I think every year we've been here, that the rest of the staff has been there. We've done we've done pretty well. We've kind of done better every single year for us. Those playoffs. We played it at Carlton. That didn't go very well for us, but it was it was an away game. Then we got a home game. Now we got a, a first round bye and a home game. So every year we've kind of progressed in in the fashion. I'm I'm not content, but I'm pleased with the the way that we've developed the program and how it's kind of trending upwards. And for us, the biggest thing is trying to keep that momentum, right? We we've brought in some pretty good recruiting classes that we were kind of pleased with. They progressed really really well, and uh, it's just to kind of add bits and pieces here to kind of fill in filling some holes or some voices in graduating players. We've had some phenomenal guys like Lewis Ward, Ty Cranston, Jackson Bennett, Kadeem Mbaye, 
Jamie Harry that have all graduated. And, well, Jamie Harry isn't in the pros yet, but he will be a professional football player that have gone on to the pros. So now it's just filling those voids a little bit with guys that we've kind of groomed over time where we may get a couple studs that are ready to come in and compete immediately, but that's not mm-hmm. something you can legitimately rely on just based off. It's difficult to extrapolate how good a player really will be in that first year. So you kind of you rely on those younger guys that you've had in the fold for a few years and have been developing that skill set. So as a whole, you look at the grand scheme of things, like I said, I'm not content. We want more, obviously. We want we want to go to the A's. We want to win that. We want to go further and obviously to a Vanier Cup. But the progress, I think, is very is is there. It's blatant. You can see that it's been there. And that's that was a goal the entire time was to kind of build a team over a few years. It doesn't it doesn't happen overnight. I don't think any team the only team I can think that's done it overnight it was, was Blake Nell at UBC. You know what I mean? Yep. And he signed a couple crucial guys like that Michael O'Connor. Michael kid. O'Connor's unbelievable. That was that was for me, that was the centerpiece. And if you get like I said, if you can get a guy that's that guy, and there are guys like that, like maybe a guy like Jack Zergiatis might have been like that out of out of Abbott could have been a guy to come in and really take the reins and kind of push you over the top as long as the other pieces are kind of already there. But anything short of that, it's really tough to turn around a program overnight. The other team that's maybe closest would be a team like Waterloo with Trey Ford. Like I said, they have a guy that can make some yeah, plays for them. Yeah, very true. He just came off an unbelievable yeah, season. Yeah, exactly. So the, the biggest thing in this is uh, you can't be short-sighted. You have to realize that there's a lot of pieces and elements that go into building a, a team, and you have to build teams that are resilient, teams that are willing to – have that killer instinct to kind of end games at the same time. So like we face teams, doesn't matter who, just I can mention, but I feel like we're a very resilient team and we face teams where we conceivably should have lost those games and we fought back. And that's just a testament to how tough some of our kids are and how how hard they've worked and their ability to kind of not let things get in their way and realize that like a lot of times I'll say during games, I like we work too hard to lose. And that's something I'll, I'll kind of repeat to the guys a lot. We work too hard to lose this game. And I think it's not me instilling that culture in them. I think they already know what's there. They know how hard they work. Like we have the dome out there and we have guys in there. We get open dome time three times a week, three to four, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays. And you're not going to get 100% participation because they have class and they have other obligations. We have some guys in there, like a good contingent of guys that don't stop working. You know what I mean? And those are the guys that will be successful going forward. That's like the Jackson Bennett's, you know what I mean? Ty Cranston's, Kadeem's, Lewis Ward. Who are always in the dome, and I think we have a large group of those kinds of guys that are constantly willing to work and do the actions. When you work that hard, not to say it's hard to lose, but you're hard to kill. You know what I mean? I think that a lot of our guys have that mentality where they know that they've worked so hard and they've they've earned the right to be in these games and they've earned the right to kind of to fight back and they won't just lay down and die. You know? So, like I said, I'm super happy with the way we've progressed. Uh, we've got a great academic support system in place now, which has helped our guys out immensely. So. Now, for us, it's just to take that next step. You know what I mean? And that next step isn't winning a playoff game. The next step's winning the Yates, right? Like getting to a playoffs, that's not, not to say hit or miss, but that's not the end goal. Now it's really the Yates, and then we'll go from there, and then whatever happens, happens. Like, unfortunately for Calgary, they were the team to beat, and they lost, right? And that's yeah. not a knock on Calgary. Saskatchewan came to play, and that's just how it is. Once you get once you get to the show or get to that conference final, Absolutely anything can happen. Any playoff game, absolutely anything can happen, right? When you, well, it's it's almost like when you hit November, it's you know it's a brand new season. Oh, what yeah. happened in um, you know during yeah. the season doesn't matter. Has no bearing on on what's about to happen. Exactly. Looking forward to the 2019 season. How is the 2019 recruiting class shaping up, and how uh, is that going to contribute to not only next year's but as mm-hmm. you said uh, to the culture um, at Ottawa U? Uh, it's shaping up pretty well. I think we've signed 14 guys as of right now. We've got a couple of big fishes out there kind of doing their thing, taking their visits, 
talking to coach trying to figure out the decisions but um i'm happy with the class so far we've um added a few quality receivers that was one of our, our main points of emphasis was to get get a little bigger and a little better at the receiver position we have a lot of guys we do have some guys that are leaving soon right we have a guy like Kalen beaver and carter matheson who are both going into if they come back next year assuming they don't get drafted are going into their last years of eligibility and those are two of the centerpieces of what we do offensively from a receiver standpoint so we need to we need to bring guys in to kind of fill those voids. You have guys on the roster already, obviously, but you can't. You have to replenish as these guys leave. So it, it's gone well. We've we've had our priorities. So we've taken like two years ago, we we're big on defensive linemen and offensive linemen. So every year, every uh, I don't know how every other team operates. I know how we operate. You have to kind of see where your needs are and kind of focus your efforts because there's a limited amount of resources, right? So many Absolutely. hours in a day, so many things you can do in terms of of recruiting and making phone calls and watching film and getting kids in for visits that you have to really prioritize your needs. You can get, he of us like we didn't recruit very many defensive backs in the last couple of years because we didn't need them. And we know we didn't need them, right? We would get a couple and they're good guys and that they're, they're going to be contributors coming up this year. But it wasn't a point of emphasis for us. We knew that we had Jamie, we had Ty, we had Jackson, we had Cody Cranston. We had a bunch of guys in the fold that it wouldn't not say it would have been a waste of time, but it wouldn't have been the best management of our resources to go and get yeah, a absolutely. bunch of quality defensive backs where we needed some defensive linemen. That's where we went and we, did, we got a bunch of defensive linemen. And now those guys are about to bear fruits because they're going to be kind of the star, not the stars of our defense, but the, the contributors to our defense or where our back end won't be nearly as solid, but now our front end will be much better. Because that, yeah, because that was a point of emphasis yeah, exactly. last year going into this year. Exactly. So I'll, uh, the 2019 recruiting class, these guys are coming out of high school in Sejap. Yeah. Can you kind of illustrate the process in which guys coming out of high school um, and what you should start to do in like grade 9, grade mm -hmm. 10, grade 11 um, to just start to think about university and to start thinking about playing ball at the next level? The My biggest word of it, there's a few things, obviously. The biggest thing is to make sure you take care of your academics. That's, 100%. that's probably the first, not actually the first question, the third or first, third or fourth question I'll ask ask a recruit is how are you doing academically, right? And uh, in in Ontario, it's a little different because they have U courses and C courses and mixed courses, and those are college level, university level, and mixed level courses. So that that's one thing is make sure you're in university level courses. Uh, a big deal, like we were recruiting. Uh, I actually had a conversation with him today, and he's in C's, and it's not necessarily his fault. It's what the guidance counselor told him to do, and. The thing with that is he's not admissible into university, right? And that's not, it's not necessarily his fault. It's just they put him in courses that aren't the, the university route. So he's going to get that fixed and we'll, we'll be all right on that, on that front. But the biggest thing is make sure you take care of your academics. Be admissible to the university you want to go to, right? So if you want to go, you need to have, for us, we're looking at 75, 80s where we really want a kid to, above that, icing on the cake, right? Cherry on top. But ideally you want a kid between 75 and 80. If we're in that 70, 80 range, we're in really, really good shape. You'll know you get admitted to your program. You don't have any issues you want. Say, tougher school of business. You got to be a little high, maybe an 82. But the big thing is academics. And then from an athletic standpoint, the biggest thing for me, I can I can tell guys, is just to work hard. You know what I mean? There's a lot of – nothing is given to you, especially in, in recruiting, in the sense that you have to – there's a bunch of things you have to do. You have to show that you have – the base level athleticism to compete at the level you want to compete at, right? So if like for me, for example, I'm five foot eight and three quarters, according to the CFL. If and I ran like a four six or a four five, if I had run a four nine, I don't have the base attributes to go to the CFL. That's just a fact. Mm -hmm. They won't look at me and that's fine. You have to understand that. 
So the biggest thing is making sure that you've done enough. Even if you don't make it, make sure you've done enough that you can say to yourself at the end of the night, I did everything I could to make it to the next level, right? So obviously to put a lot of time into your training, it doesn't mean you have to spend $1,000 a month on a personal trainer that got, or go to some fancy facility and do all these these interesting and new age things. You know what I mean? You can literally do the basics, get a gym membership, wait till you turn 15 or 16, spend some time in the gym, meet a couple of trainers, and do as best you kind of set yourself, self, set yourself up for that. The next thing is do your best to be a student of the game. Understand what the game is. Understand what you can do. Because the other thing coming on to it, you have to have a good highlight tape, right? You have to have some film. So we've seen some kids that um, athletically are gifted and aren't the greatest football players. And I'm not, that might be a byproduct of them not having great coaching, uh, being multi-sport athletes. So they don't really specialize in a specific sport. They just kind of run around as fast as they can and don't really understand what it takes to be good at a particular position and have, say, poor technique or poor spatial awareness or whatever it may be. So it, it's very important that you kind of, if that is your goal, you have to make sure that, that sh your decisions are shaped by your goal. You know what I mean? You can't kind of go into it. Because I've seen some film, I've spoken to some guys where they kind of just hope for the best. You know what I mean? They strap up here and there every other weekend and they go to two practices a week and they then they have a film that isn't necessarily ideal and, and they don't have any verified times or they're not doing the things that are necessary for them to kind of stand out from the crowd. Because at the end of the day, you need to be look better than your peers. If you kind of if you kind of look the same as your peers, then if they have other intangibles, they might be an inch or two taller than you, and that's enough to put them over the top, right? So if you haven't put the time and the effort into kind of getting to that next level, it's really hard to be noticed by by coaches. Yeah. So you kind of touched on where players can go wrong, but what are like the main things, kind of uh, the do's and don'ts um, when you're an athlete going in? Um, you know, you obviously touched on the academic side, mm -hmm. um, but what are like the biggest things that you don't look for in an athlete or, um, you know, when you talk to a coach, what's kind of the stuff that stands out to you that you don't want a part of your culture at Ottawa U? Okay. So this is a, a big thing that I think we do as a staff. And I think most teams do as a staff. If some, okay. So every player is different, right? You treat them all a little differently. So some players, I don't want to say get a buy, but they're less scrutinized because their athletic ability is so top tier. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you have a guy that's just say, for example, you have a defensive back that's 6'2", 205, and no, you know he runs a 4'4". A four four. Or he say he runs like a 7'2", 60 meter, because you have his track numbers. That guy will be less scrutinized in terms of his intangibles than the DB that's 5'10", 175, that runs a 4'8". You know what I mean? Like That guy has to bring more to the table outside of his athleticism and his ability to play than the guy that's kind of the perfect prospect. So... The biggest thing for us is that uh, a lot of times we'll call coaches. And the good thing with us, well, the good thing I think most high school coaches, they're very frank. You know what I mean? They won't they won't string you along. They won't tell you what's not true. They'll kind of give you, they may try to sugarcoat some of the bad, but they more often than not, they come out and they'll tell you exactly what the player's all about. So I'll call a coach and he'll be, oh, yeah, he's a great ball player. And then a lot of times they'll get, but he misses practice or or buddy's not that coachable or he's got a bit of an attitude issue. And they, they try to like, so whisper it almost like it's just trying to drop it in there so they they kind of buyer beware and we take that to heart right so if i get off the phone with like i i won't see this from what the player from what i hear from the player but i speak to the player right so i'll call him up and we'll have a good conversation about how things are going and where they are but then i'll call the coach like so what do you think of jason Lee or whatever the name is jason oh he's a great guy good this good that but he misses practice a lot or he's got some issues with the teachers or the yeah. little things here and there and those are just 
red flags for us. And when a couple of those add up, now we kind of will back off of our, our recruitment. We won't be so hard after the kid, right? So a big thing is, and this isn't just in ball. This is in life. Just be a good person. You know what I mean? Be a good teammate. Help bring guys up. Don't be, uh, you're not the center of the universe. As good as you may be, a lot of players have this thing where they think they're the center of the universe, right? Everything revolves around them. And you might be the best ball player than the team, but you're no different from anyone else. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You're still a human being just because you're bigger, stronger, faster. Like intrinsically, you're the same hurt. You're the same person. You have no more rights to anything else than anyone else on that football field. So the biggest thing is just, is just be a good person. And uh, like I said, we, we do our research. We'll double check. We'll make the phone calls. We'll see what the kid's all about. If there's any, and we'll even talk to refs, especially with the local really, kids. Yeah. yeah, we can talk to the refs. Like, what do you think of 86? Oh, he's been on my case. Oh, he's always cursing. He's doing this. I gave him two URs last week. Now it's like, oh. To all you players out there, stop talking to the refs. Yeah. You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like people, like we we have to investigate, right? Because we're bringing these guys on. If, and if they're bad apples, like one or two won't ruin a bunch. Because ideally the culture you've con- you've created within your program straightens out guys or they'll leave. You know what I mean? So a couple bad apples, they won't kill you. And they, they will sneak in. It, it's life. A couple snakes in the grass, they'll sneak in. And you won't find out till it's too late, and that's kind of that's kind of how it goes. But uh, you just can't have that many. If you're you're doing a poor job, if you have a bunch of guys that aren't doing what they're told or kind of reacting the way you want them to react, and they'll bring you problems, right? And you don't want those issues if you can avoid it. It's not good for the program. It's not good for the administration, or it's, they'll get you penalties in games. They'll do things that they'll they won't go on field goal. They'll forget to go on point. You know what I mean? They'll forget their plays. Yeah, there's just things that like, yeah. you just can't do when you're playing at that exactly. level. Exactly. So my yeah, my biggest thing is the thing not to do is obviously there's all a bunch of right things to do: work out, eat well, train hard, be a student of the game. But the biggest thing is make sure that that you're a good person, you hang yourself with good comportment. Don't yell. Don't take penalties. Go to class. Take care of business. Be nice to your parents. Like all the real basic qualities to be in like all humans, essentially. Do you find it? Um, I know you mentioned uh, there's a couple bad apples. Do you find it uh, worth your time uh, to try and fix maybe that one or two traits uh, that you don't like that a player that you brought in? Right. So whether it's late for class or. Um, like what's kind of the process for that before you start looking into letting them go from the football team? Okay. So I, I for me, I can speak on myself. I always think it's worth it. Right. 100%. So for, for the most part, like we, we very, I auto and we very, very, very rarely cut guys. It's gotta be, it's gotta be like an ongoing issue. And more times than not, they end up cutting themselves. And okay. a lot of people, I can't remember which coach said, but he said like, I've never cut a player that always cut themselves. And just because they've done so many things that it's impossible to keep the guy. And even like the players will be like, we need to get rid of this guy. And that's what you ideally what you want to have, not in terms of having a player that needs to be kicked out the team, but having the team be like, this guy needs to go, right? And they voice that opinion. So like I said, we've had, every program has guys. You know what I mean? It's just, you, even in your own friend group, you'll have a guy that's like, yo, why can't he just get his act right? You know what I mean? But it's like, I'm not their fathers, I'm not their grandfathers, I'm not their uncles, I'm not their big brothers, but I am their coach. And I think it's a very important that I do my, I think my, my staff, our staff feels the same way, that we all do the same thing. We have to make sure we work with these guys and make sure that they're better than when they came here, right? And we can't fix them all, but I think there's been a few guys that we've made a lot of really good progress with, and they're, they're different people for it, right? And that's a big thing is it's not just about sport. A lot of people think that, oh, you're a football coach. So, and it is cool. Like, my job is great. I enjoy it very much. But it's for me, it's more than just winning football games. You know what I mean? Like, I'm here to try to help these guys as best as I can. If they need anything, they know they can call me. Or if they have issues with their girlfriend or, 
homework or this. There's also many life things that kind of happen. I mentioned this in something else I was talking about. Like people forget that these university these university athletes are just people. They're just guys. You know what I mean? They have they are good athletes and they do things really well. But at the end of the day, they're just guys. They're just boys. They're young men that are kind of growing up and going through this process. So you can't you can't forget that, right? Just because a guy benches four hundred pounds doesn't mean if his girlfriend breaks up with him, he won't cry, buddy. You know what I mean? He's supposed to cry. That's life. You know what I mean? If yeah. you're if you're in love with somebody and they they break your heart, you're gonna be down no matter how big you be six six three thirty benching four hundred pounds. Like if someone calls you fat or if your girlfriend breaks up with you, you get cheated on or you fail a test or you you have issues at home. That's gonna get to you no matter what, right? Absolutely. So I think it's for me is very important that I feel like the players understand that I'm here to listen to them and I can't fix all their problems. Like I can't, but I can listen to them, right? And I can try to give them advice as best as I can. So for me and. A lot of times the guys have these issues. It usually stems from something other than just them being bad apples, right? Very few people in this world, I think, are intrinsically bad people. You know what I mean? So a lot of times, say if they're always late, they, something happened to them in the past where they just they can't get their things together. They have things with school. So I think it's you have to. If you don't work, you shouldn't be in this business. I think you should go try and coach pro because those guys don't need help. You know, I shouldn't say it like that. They don't need as much as as our guys, right? So if you're a coach that isn't, I'm not speaking to any coach in particular, but if you're a coach that isn't in it to kind of help these kids and help them get be better people when they leave, then it's, it's not the business for you. Not only that, nine times out of 10, um, you know, they're not, you know, that's like, it's their last season playing football. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Not, you know, not everyone goes pro. So, um, you know, it's nice to see you care about them and to touch on the fact that, you know, this is it. And after this, you're going into the real world to become yeah. a man, you know, um, I want to kind of touch on, uh, the best way to contact a coach. I know this is a question that we get all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, it's probably a question you get all the time. What's the best, um, way and what do you like best? And what's, um, what's kind of the, like the step-by-step -step process of getting recognized by a coach mm -hmm. and sending film or, um, getting in touch, uh, to play at the next level. Mm -hmm. So for me, I'm kind of, I don't think I'm unique in the sense, but I know I'm a little different in the sense that I'm kind of. I'm reachable on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and phone, email. So I kind of, I got pretty much everything covered. That's actually something I want, and yeah, that's actually something I want to dive into too. Your social media, we'll talk about that after. Yeah, so uh, I'm you are, yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah. I answered it pretty much on absolutely. every kind of every platform there is. So personally, I, I, for me, just in terms of organizational sake and understanding who I'm talking to, how things are going, I find Facebook and Instagram are best for me personally. Phone calls aren't bad, but a lot of times I'm not really in a position where I can answer a phone call. Well, you just It's like it's hard to find the time, too, you know, yeah. throughout the day. You know, at least with an Instagram message, it's there and you can answer it. You know, when you have 10 seconds, it's exactly. hard to schedule off 10 minutes, 15 minutes exactly. for a call. So but let's just say, luckily, very few guys call me cold. Very few recruits will cold call me, right? That's not a thing. I think they're very comfortable doing because it's kind of a nerve-wracking experience for a lot of them. So I get very few cold calls. I will get some emails. Emails aren't bad. They're not ideal because I'm not check my emails often as I check my Instagram, my Facebook. But I, I think for me, Instagram and Facebook are the, are the two best things because it's kind of, I get the message, I see who the player is and I can see kind of who they are almost like a snapshot. Like I'm on it and I'm scrolling through all their pictures. I want to see who they are and I kind of go through their Facebook posts. I can see how they've progressed, what positions they've played, what teams they've played on. So do you I, find, do you find that translates? Like if you see, like if you see one of your recruits, 
Um, do you find when you finally get to meet them that their social media is a, is like a good representation of who they are as a person? More times than not, yeah. Yeah, more times than not, you'll, you'll see exactly who you thought you were going to get. And because there's so much of their life on it, right? Even mine or yours or whoever is like there's so much of your life that you don't necessarily talk yeah, about, right? Yeah. Like all the pictures you're tagged in, all the things you've done, the schools you've gone to, say you've gone to combat, whatever you've done, it almost always ends up on Facebook or Instagram. There's there's somehow, yeah, there's some way of like, you know, on Google tracking it down. Yeah. And, you know, there's, you know, there's always a footprint as they say. Exactly. So I find for me, those, those are the two, my two favorite methods to communicate. Just cause like I said, I, I can keep all my messages. I know exactly what I'm talking to. I can find people I can kind of, it's all organized for me. Texting, once I get to know a guy, I, I'll text them back and forth. That's no problem. Phone calls kind of come after that. But that that first contact, phone calls aren't necessarily great because there's not a lot of information. Like I could call and I can call Nick Saban. Again, yeah, Nick Saban, it's Nathan Taylor here. I'm a safety from California. You know, I can just make something up and all of a sudden, oh, you're talking to a kid. And yeah. as long as the area code matches, that's who you're talking. You don't really know who you're actually speaking to. So I find for me, Instagram and Facebook are, are my two favorite ways for Especially for first contact. After that, phone calls, emails, whatever you want to go with, I'm fine, fine by that. Okay. Before we get into the final kind of Q&A uh, from our audience, I want to just leave the mic open for you to just kind of, what's something that we haven't touched on that you really want to get out to younger athletes uh, who are looking to go to Auto U or looking to go mm -hmm. to CIS or just looking to play at that next level? Uh, my biggest thing is I've kind of always preached it. You just got, you got to make sure you have to work. You got to like, dot your eyes and cross your T's, right? There's a lot of people, I shouldn't say a lot of people, a lot of times people think that they've been, uh, like it wasn't fair or things didn't work out the way they're supposed to work out. I think things generally work out the way you make them work. You know what I mean? Depending on how much work you've put in and how much time. And this, I, it's not a fair business per se. There will be guys and players and people throughout their lives where they did everything they possibly could and they just weren't able to compete or to kind of get to that next level. And it is unfortunate, but... I think if you do everything you're supposed to do and if you humble yourself and you're willing to reach out to coaches and I find a lot of guys that, because like I said, we're like all me and every other coach in a youth sport, we have limited resources and that every school is limited. like Alabama, as much money as they have, there's a limit. You know what I mean? Texas, there's a limit. Their limits are just a lot larger than ours. So every school and every has certain resources, whether it be ours, manpower, financially, whatever it is, there, there are limits to the resources. So a big thing is that if you're genuinely interested in a particular program, don't be afraid. No matter how good you are, don't be afraid to let teams know. Because I feel like a lot of guys want to be courted and want to be recruited, and they feel like if they haven't contacted me, they don't like me. Want to be messaged first. Yeah, yeah exactly. you know what I mean. There's, yeah, there's like a sense of pride in like they came to get me. But yeah, before, yeah, no, that's that, you know that's actually a great point that you touched on because you know. There's so many kids playing that you don't have the yeah. time to message every single kid. Yeah, like, there could be a stud corner in BC that I just won't know. That's yeah, and that's it's just—it's not because you're not good. It's just because I'm in Ottawa. You're in BC. We have you're, no, you're area nine thousand kilometers away. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. We have area scouts, and there are guys that will get it and help us out, but they can't watch every game. Like if you're a stud corner in Ottawa, and I don't contact you. That's my fault. Like I—I I made a mistake here. But if you're in BC, if you're in Manitoba, I won't know you. And the vice versa. If you're from Ottawa and you want to go to Calgary, you should contact the coach in Calgary. Right? I'm not telling you to contact them. I'm just saying if that's something you really want to do. Family in Calgary, whatever it may be. Don't be hesitant to contact a coach and let them know, coach, I know you don't know me. I'm from Calgary. I have, my mom used to live in Ottawa. It's a great city. I'd really like to come visit. I'd really like to see what you guys have to offer. I'm very interested. I've gotten those messages before, and I love those. Cause, yeah, sure, because it shows that you're interested. You genuinely, because you've went out of your way to contact me, and then we'll be on board right away. We'll be calling you, 
trying to set up flights that we can get going on. But the biggest thing is make sure you have film done. Uh, make sure your film is front loaded with good plays. I've seen a lot of, because like I said, limited resources, right? I don't have time. If I'm watching, for me, if it's a film day and I'm watching, if I'm ripping through films. What's like the average time you spend on a highlight tape? Depends. Okay. So if if it's front loaded, like if it's good quality stuff early on, like to, one of the, I do DBs a lot, because so DBs are easy to talk about for this. So if you're a defensive back, don't have the first two minutes be you tackling people. Like if you've gotten three picks in a year, those three picks should be the beginning of your film. Because if you, I don't see you making plays on the ball, you're, you, you look like a linebacker to me. You look like a small linebacker. So a big thing is that I don't say make it front loaded, but you have to you have to entice. It's like a preview for a movie. They don't put the boring dialogue at the beginning. It's an action movie. They're not going to put Steven Seagal talking to his daughter about, you yeah. know what I mean? They're going to put him like shooting guns and grenades and explosions. So you want to watch the rest of the film, right? So for me, one big thing is to try to front load your film. And it's not, it's just the way you, you kind of put things in and just make sure you have your, intercept, your interceptions. If you're a quarterback, some of your nice deep balls, balls in the tight coverage, the throws on the run. If you're a running back, a nice cutback run, whatever it may be, whatever you think is kind of your top four or five plays, should be in that those may six or seven first plays. And so that way we're, we're like, oh, wow, this kid's really good. If I see a guy where it's like, oh, it's, oh, it's okay. I don't have time to get through 10 minutes and then 10 minutes. That's six guys in an hour when I need to get like 20 done in an hour. Not 20, but I have to get, I have to kind of roll through these and see who's who's really legitimate. So include your grades on your highlight tip if you can. Okay. That's big. If you can, the more information we have, the better I have guys that will send me like paragraphs. And once I start reading, I'm not going to stop reading, right? So if I, if you get my attention, if I'm reading this, oh, I've run a 4-4 and I'm this and that. And I have, I'm honor student. I have an 88%. Here's my phone number. Here's my coach's number. And I'm like, okay, because now I can just, I don't have to go and ask, you know, 88% coach, how's this guy doing? Oh, he's a really good kid. No problems. Great in school. Does volunteer work. All right, cool. And now we have the ball can really get rolling where I'm not digging. For, and it's easy for you to get all that information in one tight package and send it off at one time as opposed to us trying to piece together little bits of information. So, uh, yeah, film front load if you can. Include your, your grades if you can. If you have any good 40 times or your testing numbers, include those. Your weightlifting numbers, include those. So it just saves us. Not saying it saves us going through all the whole process, but now it's more information just want to talk to kind of get the ball rolling. Oh, yeah, it does three or 350 non-squad. Okay, that's a good number. We can work with that and all these different things. Any kind of awards you have, kind of put those on there. I want to st- not stress. Be cautious of what you post on social media, right? Because I'm on it a lot, and uh, a lot, a lot, probably too much. So I see a lot. We all are. Yeah, Way you know what I mean. So I see a lot. So there are some recruits that I recruit less because I've seen what they post and kind of what they're all what about. What would be like the What would be like the ones that kind of stand out? And that not that you're going to single out anyone, but yeah. what would be like the like the top poster, you're like, okay, like I don't want to see that if you're coming to play ball uh, on my team. Um, <clears throat> Would it be more like for tweets or is it or like, is it stories or is tweet, it? Cause you know, I'm not huge on Twitter. I don't monitor Twitter as much as I do Instagram and Facebook. I'm much, I'm a lot bigger on Instagram and Facebook. So for me, I think one, it's not an issue, but even just try to be as clean as you possibly can. I know you want to have fun. I know you have all such as I'm talking to like a player per se. I know you want to have fun. You know, you want to give people a laugh, but if you're really concerned about being a pro or, or kind of getting to that next level, you have to make sure you kind of present yourself as that, right? And like we have a seminar every year with our guides, our incoming guides, about what they can and cannot post, what they should and should not post. Okay. So we make that very clear, right? Like I tell them, if you're even thinking about it, don't do it. That's my motto for them. I was like, if you even have to think about it, for, should, 
don't do it. That's the easiest way for me to kind of explain it. When I talk, someone else does this, our, our media people do that. But I, whenever I chime in with guys, if you have to think about it, just don't. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's not worth it. Oh, you get a couple laughs and a couple likes and a comment. And it's not giving you anything in the long run. So yeah, I've seen some things just, I don't want to say like a lot of memes, people repost memes and they are funny and they feel like, since they didn't create it, they're not responsible for it, but you're perpetuating it, right? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of times they, they see a meme and they'll repost it and they didn't create it, so it's not their work, but you're reposting, so you're kind of perpetuating that thought process or that that joke or whatever it may be. And some of them are funny. I get it. Like, I laugh. I have meme accounts that I laugh. I think they're hilarious. They're the best. But I don't post no. any of them. I would never post any of them, you know what I mean? Just because I know it's not something that I want people to see or kind of perpetuate that. So be careful what you post on social media. Try if you can cut out swearing, cut out all the swearing. Like I'm not gonna knock a recruit a kid because he swears once or twice. That's it's not the end of the world. But just the the cleaner you look, the better it is, right? And I have some guys I post, and their stuff is, or I go through stuff. I don't investigate. I just kind of go through it as I'm going through my day. And their stuff is super clean. You have other guys that they're reposting things, or they they're shutting out their boys like rap rap album. And I listen to the rap album, and it's like all this like really bad stuff, and you're just like. Ugh. You know what I mean? So, so just, yeah, so yeah, so you really like you really dive into every single player or like as much as you can, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I'll because those guys where you're not sure who he, some guys you know who they are. Like, there's a couple of kids that I'm recruiting every year. There's a couple of kids you recruit, you know who they are. If they're good kids, solid citizens, no questions. You know what I mean? There's some guys their coaches vouch for them, all the other players vouch for them. Like there's no issues. And there are other guys that are kind of fringe where you're like you're not sure where they stand and what they're all about. And like I said, just because you post a couple bad memes doesn't mean you're off the board. No, that's not that's not how it works at all. It's not cut and dry. Like we're, like I said, we're not Michigan or Alabama where you're like, oh, we don't want this five star, we'll take that five star. You yeah, know what exactly. I mean? That's not how it works in our world. But it just kind of gives you an inside look at who they really are, and I think it's important to kind of be aware of that. And like I said, it's not it's not the breaking point. It's not going to kill you in recruiting, but it's just not necessarily the best. You know, if they have a bunch of between two recruits and they're absolutely identical skill set wise and everything, there's one kid that's like. A1, no issues. And there's another guy that's got all these like weird memes and all this crazy stuff. And he's going live and he's swearing and he's doing things. Because that's when Instagram Live, I see those two. I know I've gone on some Instagram Live and they'll immediately cut it when they see yeah, my name pop up. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, they're like, because I'm Coach Taylor, obviously, right? So it's just like, whatever, Annie, blah, 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 blah. Coach Taylor 31. Oh, 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 and they're like cutting out their live and they're throwing out whatever they're doing or they're not playing the music anymore. And so I've seen guys kind of bail out on Instagram live. So I kind of pop up like, oh no. So it's just stuff like that. But just work hard, you'll be good. That actually leads us into our first uh, Q and A question. Yeah. And um, you've you've already kind of touched on social media, but uh, I, you know, I'm kind of interested to see how you know from when you were a player to now you're a coach. How mm-hmm. big is social media and how much has it grown? Because because yeah. you're kind of in that perfect timeline where you've seen like where yeah. people didn't use it and now it's the biggest thing and. What are the what are the kind of the key tactics that you use um, with social media for recruiting? Um, so one thing that it does for me is it keeps me kind of in the loop about how their lives are going and, and what's going on. So that is obviously good conversationally because I know what's going on. I don't have to poke and prod to see how their weekend went. I know how their weekend went. You know what I mean, I saw that they scored two touchdowns or there's different things in that regard. So and another good thing for me is I find it's a. Uh, it keeps me in the loop. It's a constant reminder of who's not so who's important, but they pop up all the time, right? So if I were to put my phone down, I'm always thinking recruiting, but you think it more when someone's face pops up or a, a, not a hashtag, like their username will pop up. So and so has posted, and you look at oh yeah, and you can kind of comment on it or kind of keep it going. So 
it's evolved. It's like leap and, leaps and bounds. You know what I mean? When I, I first got Facebook my like second year at Vanier and I got Instagram like my third year at Concordia, I want to say something like that. And like, if I go through my posts, like I was just posting like nonsense, you know what I mean? Like things that weren't even. Yeah, that's the worst. I like, I try every couple of months to go back yeah, into and Facebook and out. like to untag myself. Yeah. And it's, and it's not, it's not bad stuff, but it's just yeah. like, you know, it's you and you're 11 for, you know, in my case, and you just don't want to see that anymore. Yeah, but of course. No, I, how does, uh, how does the team itself or sorry, how does the program itself use social media for recruits? I don't know. Um, is it you that runs, uh, the Ottawa U? No, no, it's not. Okay. So, so you have your own media team and stuff yeah, like so that? Yeah. So when I first got there, I was doing it and then we, we hired, uh, hired this guy. Actually first started as like an intern type deal. Okay. I think he's been hired by the university. I don't know exactly. His name is Robert Greeley and he's done a phenomenal job. I kind of really upping our, our followers. He puts out really quality content. Yeah, like, no, that's actually one thing that. Uh, because, you know, um, you know, we obviously follow you and yeah. you always repost, you know, when yeah. someone gets offered or when someone gets signed, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's really, really good quality yeah, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, so he's shout t- out to Robert. Yeah. Shout out to Robert, Robert Greeley. So he's, uh, yeah, he's our shooter. He does all, a lot of our photography. He does, uh, he comes on all of our, our, all of our games, our away games. So he'll be on the bus riding. He does all the photos. He does a lot of the content. So he's, the, he's been a huge, huge help. So we're grateful to have him on board. And he, like I said, he's done a lot. So like I said, I started off and it was okay. Obviously I'm not like, I can't do graphics or anything. So he's taking the lead on that. So he's done a great job with that. And uh, we we do it to kind of promote what our guys are doing, who who's coming in, who's important to us. Uh, we also do it to kind of just raise awareness about our program, what we've kind of accomplished. So I think it's, it's gone well. I don't know what our, I don't know what our follower count is. I want to say 3000 something, but it's done well. And I think, He's done a great job of kind of putting it together. Uh, you can you can send guys will send film through that as well. Okay. So guys have sent film and he always forwards it to me. So I get all this. So he's very good at that. As soon as he gets a film, he'll flip it to me and I'll kind of go through it and see if we want to recruit that kid or not. So that's kind of how we've used social media up until this point. So and it's gone extremely well. I know we're one of the top ranked uh Instagrams in the OUA because they send out rankings every every week as to who has the most followers and interactions and stuff like that. I think we've been one of the top ranked for the for the most part. Yeah, no, like it's definitely something where like you know you're not making money off of it, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, like yeah, like the ROI aspect of it, you know, it, it's not like um, it's not more like like kind of like a monetary amount, but you really see, yeah, um, you know what I mean, like it, like from a player, you know, who you know who was recruited, like when you get a graphic made up or when you get yeah. it shared, like it's the best. Yeah, like yeah, it's no, the it, best. It's you cool. know? So I think it's like you said, the ROI. I think like you said it doesn't come up monetarily. Exactly. But I, I do think in terms of where we stand in the not in the OUA, but I don't even want to say in the country, just where we stand from where we stood is way different in terms of how much people know about our program, what we're doing, and say like our dome or our pros or different things that's gone up exponentially, I think, in the terms of the amount of awareness there is about Ottawa U football, right? Exactly. We're still a very blue-collar team, and I don't want us to ever come off as over-the-flashy or over-the-top flashy because that's not who we are, right? That's not who we want to be. Our head coach, um, Jamie Breezy, is a Penn State guy. He coached at Penn State for nine years, and Penn State hasn't changed their uniforms in a thousand years. You know what I mean? Like, they don't even have number. Do they have names in the back yet? I think that I'm pretty sure they, they might have do. been four, but that was like there was like a huge thing. Like they should never put names on the back. Then they got in trouble too when they put a Nike check on oh, the really? yeah, because he has a coach. We call him Coach. We call him Coach B, but Coach Jamie Breezy. He was there through a lot of that era, and like they got upset when like the alumni like lost their minds and they put like a Nike check, and then then think Joe Paterno had like a Nike uh, suit jacket, and they they lost their minds again. Like we're Penn State, we don't do that. So we kind of had that mentality where we're like a hard hat team, like blue collar, like. 
like we don't want to be like Oregon or that flat. There's nothing wrong with that. That's your jam. That's your jam. That's how you want to work. But that's not how we operate. We're more of a Penn State, Alabama. I'm not saying we're Penn State, or Alabama. But, but no, that, but it's just no, but it's just a simple two uniforms. Yeah, that's our um, philosophy. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you got the same colors, and they've always been those colors. Yeah, and we're not going to change. We're not going to go all crazy. That's just that's kind of how we've operated. And like I said, so I think that makes it a little tougher to catch people's eyes, but. Like I said, with the social media, we've kind of counteracted that by being so prevalent with that. So Yeah, no, like it's definitely something that um, is huge uh, on the American side of things for social media. And I think it's slowly but surely um, starting to come up north. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of teams are starting uh, to take advantage of social media. And um, I will say Ottawa U is one of the best that, um, you know, that I've kind of paid attention mm-hmm. to just because, you know, we're always on social media and yeah. we always try and follow people. So, um, you know, you know, shout out to you and... <laughs> And uh, to Robert. Big Rob. <laughs> uh, the second question that we got was, um, and this is actually a really good question. It moves away from social media. But uh, how do official and unofficial visits work in the OUA or the CIS? I don't know if there's different rules in between um, all the conferences, yep. but how does that work? Okay, so it's uh, there's all the rules are constant throughout the uh, through the country. Got it. And so how it works is that, uh, first of all, first and foremost, you have to get a U-Sport code. And that code will cost you 50 bucks. And it's, it's that's all done through U-Sport. So it's nothing to do with any of the individual organizations or institutions. It doesn't go to them. It goes to U-Sport, right? Okay. And that that fee, from what I've gathered, is supposed to pay the staff to kind of moderate all this. So the whole U-Sport code is put in place to track athletes throughout their entire careers, right? To kind of create a log of where a kid starts, when he graduates, where he transfers to. So they have a number tied to them. So it's not just the names. So it's easier to track kids and there's a database you have to input numbers into and see that they come on officials and whatnot. So the first thing, you support number, get that. So the difference between official and unofficial is very simple. Not very simple. So on unofficial, nothing is paid for. So that means they can't pay for your parking. They can't pay for... Uh, the only thing they can do on unofficial is give you game tickets to a home game at, okay. their, at their place, right? Okay. That's the only time that you, that's the only thing you can really get on an unofficial. So you can't get any any kind of food, any kind of transportation cost covered, any kind of accommodation. So hotel, housing can't be covered. Technically, on an unofficial, we, they're not allowed to arrange any kind of rides or any kind of transportation through alumni as well. So the, the oh, rule, really? yeah, yes, yeah, so the rules that you can't, you're not supposed to facilitate. Not say I shouldn't say facilitate, but you're not supposed to kind of help them get to where they're supposed to, where you want them to be, right? So. If I'm along, say if I'm recruiting a kid from Toronto and we have one of our former DBs that's in Toronto driving down for the Panda game. We'll just say Panda because that's when they come. Yeah. Uh, I can't tell him to contact said recruit and be like, can you drive this guy down? Because that's providing him transportation through my contacts, right? Which is illegal, which is, makes it an official visit. Now, I can do that if I want to be an official. So unofficials, you can take as many as you want to as many schools as you want as many times as you want. Do you have a limit? Sorry to cut you off. Do you have a limit? Uh, per kind of team, how many official visits you can do? Yeah. So officially, we're allowed to bring in 50 kids a year. Okay. A calendar year. So you're allowed to bring in 50 kids a calendar year. And uh, each player is allowed to visit five schools per year. For an official visit. For an official visit and only once a school in their lifetime. So what happens, that doesn't really affect the seizure kids too much because they usually they know when they're coming out and they won't go back. Where, where it'll affect kids is uh, the Ontario kids that want to do a post-grad year or a victory lap, as they call it. Okay. So if you decide to, so if you're in grade 12 and you visit Western, Laurier, Ottawa, Carleton, Mac, whatever it may be, and then um, you decide after the fact, I want to do a post-grad year, I want to go do a victory lap, you cannot visit those teams again officially. 
Okay. Because you've already you've already burned your your official visit with that university, right? So yeah. it was to prevent guys. What was happening is before it was the wild wild west. You could do as many officials as you want, wherever you right, wanted, yeah. whenever you wanted. Yeah. So so like how long ago was that? Uh, I want to say four, three to four years ago. Oh, really? Yeah. It was okay. like you could just do whatever you wanted, like, and no one really tracked it. No one cared. You could spend money however you wanted. It wasn't a big deal. So you could be, you could take an official visit. Say for a CGIP guy, it's easier. If you're a CGIP guy, you could take like three officials to three different schools in the same year. You can do as much, whatever you want. You could take one in your second year and your third year. And it wasn't illegal, so there's nothing wrong with it. It's perfectly fine, perfectly above board. But then they put in this rule to kind of constrict. And I think it's it's good in the sense that it kind of it holds the players accountable to their choices. Because one issue that I don't want to say players were having, what schools may have been having, is that players or recruits may have been abusing it, right? So if you're not limited to five, you're limited. You could take, if you're like a stud ball player, like the top quarterback, whatever, you could, you can logistically, you can realistically try to visit every school in Canada and no one would say anything because they, because they, it's partly the coach's fault and partly the player's fault is that I know and I've heard coaches get upset, but then I, I counter with, but you're telling him to come, you know what I mean? Because very few times a coach big like, don't come. If you're the top guy and he's even considering bringing you in, he wants you there that yeah. weekend for that game. Oh, for- he came and he wasted my money. No, he, he told you, oh, I don't know. Coach, he said, no, no, come. Let me see what you got. Let me see what I have to offer. And then he came, you know what I mean? He, yeah. he used your money, but you, you didn't tell him, am I in your top five? When he says no, you didn't say, okay, never mind. You know what I mean? So if you don't kind of go through that process, I know coaches. I know I've done it. When I was like in Korea, I'm like, come on, just give me a shot. Let's see. What you might even like it here. And he comes and he, just, he doesn't come. That's fine. But if I'm coercing, if I'm telling the kid to come visit my school so that I'm in the ball game, don't get upset when he comes and doesn't come. You know what I mean? So yeah. so that's why they kind of put that into place. So you have, you're allowed five officials per year, and then you can only visit one school in your lifetime. And then you have to have your youth support code and unofficials, do whatever you want. So if you're from Montreal, you want to drive to York, drive to York, you know what I mean? Or if you've got family there, you can stay at their houses, you can stay at their houses, you want to go to Windsor, or you want to take a flight to Calgary, take a flight to Calgary, you know what I mean? You can do whatever you want. They can't pay for anything. And if they do, it's a violation. And then for officials, they're only allowed to be 72 hours. Okay. 72 hours, supposed to be only allowed to have nine meals. Uh, they're allowed to have one article of clothing worth $50 if they sign. And what's the other rule? I'm trying to remember those other rules. There's kind of, you can, you could appeal certain rules depending on how things go, but those are the basic rules. Like there's one more rule I'm not, I'm not thinking of. And then, yeah, if they don't, they don't sign, you can't give them any kind of merchandise, no hats, no hoodies. No, really? No, 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 no. It's only after someone is signed. Okay. Yeah. You can't give them any kind of, any kind of merchandise. Some teams will get away with giving away a lanyard or something. But no one really cares about a lander. It's the one you start giving kids sweaters and hats, things to kind of make them want to come to your school. But yeah, you, you can't give them in any kind of any kind of thing. I've seen teams like Len guys sweaters, which is fine by me, as long as you give back at the end of the, end of the visit. But those okay, are the, okay, those yeah, are the, no, yeah. I thought yeah, no, like I thought you meant like they could go home with it and have to ship it back. So it would be for the seventy two hours. They yeah, lend I've them seen the hat, guys, they which is cool. Them. Like they'll they'll give a guy like a sweater or a hood just so they're they feel like they're part of the, the team, right? I've seen teams do it. We that's don't really cool. I like do that. I like yeah, that. Yeah, so that's something that, that can be done. But uh, those are the basic rules. 72 hours, nine meals. Uh, you can't pay for... What's the other thing you can't pay for? You can't pay for their parents. You can't pay for their parents' transportation unless they're driving the player. Okay. Yeah, unless they're unless they're like like legitimately part of the train. If they're, if they're driving, you pay the gas, right? Mm-hmm. So I, can pay, I can pay for your gas. I can pay for your train. I can pay for your flight. 
can pay for a space shuttle if I want to pay for a space shuttle, a helicopter. I can do whatever I want in terms of getting you there, but I can't put your mom and dad on a plane. You okay. know what I mean? They, yeah. If they want to come, they're all by all means, and some parents have done it. I and mean, then I think it's worthwhile if if you want to be part of the decision. I think it's worthwhile to spend. I don't know what it is, depending on where you're coming from, but I can't pay for a parent's ticket to come to a come on a visit. They have to pay for their own, their own fare. Okay. So you said that there was 50, so you're allowed to bring 50 kids in. Yep. Uh, does every school, I'm not sure if you know this, but does every school have the budget for that? Or do you guys have the budget or do you guys? Um, I want to say. Or no, sorry. Do you, do you use uh, the entire 50 kids? Um, we had one year, my first year, I think we did like 47. Okay. And then last year, I want to say we did like 41. And okay. then this year we'll probably get to like. 35 or 37 depending on how these next couple of months go but um uh logistically it, you can't fit all 50 it's tough because you just run out of time yeah exactly you know what i mean like we 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 average i'm not sure how we are we may some of those weekends we'll get six kids and sometimes we'll get three sometimes we'll get five depending on on how the weekend kind of goes but it, it's tough to 50 you're you're working you're chugging along you're you're really spending the visits you're, you're getting 50 kids because you got to figure you can do a few in season most teams can't do a lot in season because you're playing games, so you don't have the manpower for hosts and for taking care of the recruits. And the offices, you hit it pretty hard, but there's only, I want to say, like 12 solid weeks of recruiting and getting kids in. Okay. You know what I mean? Because then you get you get long December, January. See, so yeah, February, you're, you're kind of ending near the end because by that time, most kids have made their decisions, right? Yeah. So you have December... November's kind of a wash. You make it a week in November, December, January. You're missing a chunk in December, January for blackout. What are the set dates for blackout? I know the ones for Sage Up, uh, but uh, the ones for CISR. So for us this year, it changes every year. For us this year, it was December 22nd to January 2nd. Okay, so that okay, so that kind of lines up with when the kids are off. Yes, for Christmas. Okay. exactly. So that was a blackout. And then your January, February, January, December and January are two heavy months. February starts to kind of die off because kids are making decisions. You've had a bunch of guys in in March. You might have two weeks in March and everyone's kind of made up their minds. Okay. So the third question we got is um, what's kind of the best advice, um, you know, having gone through it uh, to pick your program in SAGEP and then to mm -hmm. pick your degree in university, what's the best advice you can give to a young aspiring student athlete uh, to find the best program that fits them. And not only that, not all schools offer the same yeah. program. So uh, what's kind of your take on, um, you know, going to a school that you want to play football at, but they don't have your program and kind of what do you recommend? And for, for me, that's a tough question because if I would have, <laughs> if I would have taken the program, oh, funny enough, I would have gone to the school that had the program I really wanted. I would have either been at McGill or I'd have been at Ottawa U. I want a phys ed. Coming. Okay. Yeah, that, that was the program. I want to be a gym teacher. What did you take at Kanye? Uh, human environment, which okay. is it's a, it's a new program. It's kind of complicated, but and I, I enjoyed it. There's no two ways about it. But if I would have done exactly what I wanted to do, like school-wise or academically, it would have been McGill or Ottawa. You were my two choices for English. I think I could have gone to Montreal, but it would have been in French, and that would have been a good deal. Yeah. So um, uh, personally, it worked out for me, thankfully, but I think I'm an outlier. I think if... If there's something football, if you're lucky, last four or five years after you're in after university or CJEP, sorry, after high school or CJEP. So go go to a school that has your program. I think that, that's a big deal for me. I I've talked I've talked or spoken to some top, top guys on our boards, like like guys that I'd love to have. And they'll want 
a program like that we don't have this thing in agriculture, actuarial math. Like, there's certain things that we just don't have. They're architecture. We don't have architecture. But we have so we have like med. We have law. We have essentially everything under the sun. It's just every program only missing a couple, yeah, couple of programs. And I've told kids flat, not flat out, but like, is this really what you want to do? Like, yeah, coach, I've always wanted to be an architect. This is something that's really important to me. I'll be getting good luck. I find a go find a school that has architecture because I don't want you coming here and doing like engineering and then you do well in it, but it's not, it's not your calling, right? When you're done ball and it's all of a sudden done, you're an engineer, not an architect. And you're not happy for the next 60 years of your life, yeah, whatever exactly. it may be. Right. So I think th there's tons of schools out there. You might have to sacrifice financially. You might have to move. You might have to find something that really fits what you want. But if, if a program is important to you, then you should definitely go ahead and, and find a school that offers a program that's important to you. Right. So if it's business, you can go anywhere. Everyone has a business school. They're not all they're not all equal, but they all have them, right? So that's not a huge deal. But if you want something that's very specific to a school or it's very important to you, then I would I'd make sure that that's something that you do because, like I said, uh, football careers are so short lived, and a lot of guys don't go pro. And even if you do go pro, the CFL pays well, but it doesn't pay great. You know what I mean? You're gonna have to work if you pay if you play ten years in a league, year eleven, you're working a real job. You know what I mean? So you want to be in a situation where you're confident in your abilities and you're, you're doing something that you love. So, and you're happy with what you're doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, you gotta be happy. So I, I would caution any recruit out there to, to really think long and hard about their decision. If, and if academics are a big selling point and there's a specific program that, that you're really interested in make sure that you find a school that offers that program. And, and like I said, this is the kind of comes back to another point. Don't be afraid to reach out because you might, I don't know the programs across the board, but there might be a school out in Cal any province out East, out west, wherever it may be, that has exactly what you want, and they don't know who you are, but you're that school fits. They have co-op in a certain program, and they're the best school at that. Call him or call them and let them know, coach. I really like your architecture, whatever it may be, agricultural science, whatever. I don't know what programs these are, but call him and be like, yeah, coach, or email him, coach. I'm really interested. You guys have a program I want. I've always wanted to do this my whole life. I know you might not know about me, but this is who I am. And then they might be, oh, shoot, yeah, we'd love to have you on the team. And yeah, you can get into the program and then your life is great, right? So yeah, I don't don't choose football or, over your academics in any sense of, the, of that phrase. Always make sure your academics come first. Yeah, like I think it's something that, you know, we always say, like you want to go play ball, but you're yeah. going there to learn. You're going to get yeah. a degree and you're going to, uh, you know, to further your education and mm -hmm. to make your life a whole lot better. We do have time for one more question. So I am going to shoot this one out. Yeah. Um, this is not so much a big deal in Canadian football just yet, although it's starting, I find. Um, I want to know your thoughts on seven-on-seven -seven tournaments and uh, kind of if that translates to the you know to a real contact game. Yeah. And um, does it help with recruiting? Does it help with getting offers? Does it help with scholarships? All that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you know, it's obviously something that's not. Uh, huge in Canada. Yeah. It's huge in the States. And yeah, it's, yeah, uh, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like a whole, you know, it's like a whole nother football season. So what's kind of your thoughts on 707, especially being a DB coach? Yeah. So for me, I think there are pros and cons to everything in this world. I think 707 does have its pros in the sense that it gets you around ball. It gets you around ball without contact, which is both a pro and a con at the same time. So it, I've seen it, it allows you to develop a very good skill set that will translate to most aspects of the game, right? So if you're a defensive back, you're gonna become, you'll become a better DB. If you're covering all day long, that's all you do is cover. And if you're a receiver, you'll become a better receiver. All you do is running routes, but you won't be a better blocker and you won't be a better tackler. Okay. You know what I mean? So yep, that's fair. So I, I think there are pros to it. There's no two ways about it, but I think that you have to make sure that you kind of temper your expectations. I've heard a lot, I've read a lot of coaches 
they'll be like, we don't. Well, one one thing is that coach NCAA coaches cannot go to seven on seven tournaments. They're not allowed. It's a it's a third party recruiting. The, the rules are very strict in NCAA. And are allowed, they're not allowed to attend. Would that would that fall under like a satellite camp sort of thing or not really? Yeah, or? but it's not really because it's kind of like a satellite camp, but it's not. Satellite camps are run by schools, right? But yeah. in different cities or different whatever. I think those are outlawed now too, right? Yeah, no, they, they yeah, they were huge. Those. But now, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, now they, they're not they allowed. They should because freaking Alabama's and LSU's can go to New York and, and start stealing kids. So, so yeah, uh, instead of the coaches aren't allowed to go to these seven on seven tournaments. So you can, you can get film from them and you will see a kid's explosiveness and see who's kind of capable of. I think it does develop a certain skill set that it, that is valuable, but it's not football. You know what I mean? Like you've played flag before, right? I've yeah, played flag. Exactly. I play flag plus, and like you see guys out there that are dominant flag football players, and you know full well if they strap on the pads, it's a whole different story. Well, well, exactly. You know, like I've seen a lot of, um, you know, like I've seen a lot of highlights, and uh, you know, you see a guy. Uh, on a slant or on a post yeah. and like he looks really good but it's a different mentality oh, when yeah. you know there's some guy coming to touch you <laughs> yeah. and there's some guy coming to take your head off yeah you know? it's a different it's a whole and i like i played flag a lot and i remember i used to be playing flag me and all my boys much else finest and we have guys like running out routes into cut coverage and you're just like you can't like you can't run an out route i'm sitting here like i'm literally looking at you and i can't you can't do anything about it right you throw an out round to cut coverage, that D, that's a bad day for the receiver, right? You're going to be the first play on that DB's highlight tape. <laughs> exactly. So there's certain things that you don't really get a good feel for, but at the same time, you will see if a kid's explosive. You'll see if he plays the ball well in the air. You'll see if he has a certain skill set. Whether or not it translates directly, it's hard to say because I would look at... I've, I've watched some 7-on-7 seven seven film. I know some Canadian guys have gone down to different camps. Yeah, because it, it, yeah, it's not as big as it is in the States, but it is something yeah. that you see on social media and that you see yeah. kids doing that, it, you know, you know, it is coming up and it is something yeah, that I think no. in the next five to 10 years will be a big deal. Yeah, my biggest thing is just make sure that you're, uh, at the same time, make sure you're physically prepared to play the sport, right? Like, uh, I think one one issue I have with, with football in, not in Canada, but in certain areas if some kids play too much football. So, the, so okay, so you're talking about kind of like playing in the summer. Oh, yeah. And it like it's a lot of ball. Like, yeah. I think some kids are playing like 30 games, 35. Like they play, they'll play like two seasons. They'll do like all-stars. They'll do whatever provincial team they're on. They'll do all these little like, well, these yeah. camps. Well, there's also some guys I used to play with in high school that had a club team. Yeah. Had a high school team yeah. at the same time as the club team. Yeah. And then would go play, Um, you know, I think now it's like the OPFL, but yeah. it used to be OV. And uh, that's a lot of football. Yeah, it's like 30 games. Yeah. If, you, if you're on a good team, you go to championships, and then, then you're doing team, provincial team trials, whatever those may be. Then you're playing in provincial like provincial championships, and that's a week with three games involved. So I think that um, I don't think it stunts growth, but it's not, not mean height-wise. I just mean it's hard for you to really develop as an athlete. You'll develop as a football player to a certain degree, but you won't develop your athleticism if you're always tired, if you're always like – running routes, you're always doing these things, you're not in the gym, you're not running track, you're not doing different things to kind of develop yourself physically. You will be a good football player, but you're not going to be physically, I think, prepared to play the sport. You won't be strong in the gym, you won't run a good 40. So I think that it's important that, like, 707 is great. I think it's good to develop certain skills. I think it's a lot of fun. It's something to do. There's no contact, which is nice, so it's safer or should be safer. But at the same time, make sure you spend the time in the gym or on the track with a either a track coach or get yourself a program or work on your voice so you're, you're physically prepared to play at the next level. Absolutely. That's all the time we got. Perfect. Um, to our listeners, if you're not already following uh, Coach Taylor uh, on Instagram, he's Coach Taylor 31 Your Twitter is? 
Uh, oh, shoot. It's a primetime Taylor. Primetime Taylor. <laughs> uh, your Facebook is just your name, Nathan, yeah, Nathan Taylor. Taylor. Yeah, Nathan um, Taylor, yeah. You know, he's already got 4,400 followers, but if you don't already follow him, go give them a follow. Uh, and also help out our guy, Robert. Yeah. Uh, Gigi's Football, is it? or Yeah, Gigi's Football, I want to say. Perfect. Follow them for all the updates. And, um, yeah, Gigi's Football. Gigi's Football. Yeah, Gigi's Football. Um, we thank you for all your questions. We got a lot of questions. Those were the best four that we mm-hmm. decided. Um, and hopefully we can bring you back if time permits. Yeah, sure. We've got so many more questions. Anytime, anytime. Um, and we wish you luck, and we'll be watching in uh, 2019. I appreciate that. Appreciate it. Thank you. To join the next wave of recruiting, visit us at www.playrecognition.com. Play Recognition is an online athletic recruiting platform geared towards providing Canadian student-athletes with more recruiting opportunities using our verified profile and statistics system. Our verified profile-based platform gives coaches all the relevant information needed during the recruiting process. I'm Brad Mazev, co-founder of Play Recognition. Thank you for listening. Share this episode to a teammate that needs to hear it, and we'll see you next time on Under the Lights.